0: Where those reparations we've been waiting too long Why our ancestors ain't burn them plantations burn them down, down WTF with Jim Crow black holes They killed Martin and Malcolm, that's cold south hole Why the no. cops killing so many black souls? Why the hate groups mad folk? Like where's the love? Why we shed so much sweat, tears, and blood? We all American and we would never give up Cameron Rock for resident, I'm biggin' him up Vote Rod 2020, upgrade America hey. I say, vote 2020. Hey. Upgrade, let's get democracy a shot. You know, Rock,
1: rock on win it. Rock with it. Upgrade America, Upgrade vote 2020. America. 2020. Yeah. Donate the camera, Rock, yeah. we need the money. Need the, the, money. 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 the campaign money. to keep money. the music coming. Yeah. Vote yeah. uh-huh. 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 Rock 2020. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What's up, world? I want to thank you for attending a very special episode of Upgrade America, the greatest show on earth. It's Black History Month, and we're representing hard all the way to the first week of March. Yeah, that's right. You're not gonna give us the shortest month of the year and be like, Hah. But you have a leap year. No, nah, we're taking another. Uh, we're taking the first week of March too. So. Being a little greedy, but yeah, I got CJ the Dayslay over here. I'm loving that T-shirt over there, representing all the legends right there. What was it? Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Yeah, baby, we in here. Black history, my represent. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, and you know, everyone, we are, our last video we, we, we posted is trending pretty hard. It's, it's one of our most successful vids. So we want to thank you for watching our show, supporting our show, giving us feedback, even negative feedback. I chuckle at that. It makes me laugh. But yeah, my haters, I love you. My supporters, I love you, too. I love you more. But um, welcome to the greatest show on earth. Let's get into it, man. What are we talking about today?
2: Uh, we're diving into racism, uh, the military, famous black inventors, and a little bit of pop culture.
1: Okay, yeah. So I guess what we're um, pop culture wise, um, well, I know our last episode we dropped, we literally finished recording our last episode when my notifications blew up on the death of Kobe Bryant. And um, RIP, yes. my condolences to your family. Definitely a, a, a legend that will never be forgotten. And, uh, yo, know, those J- Jordan, I believe Michael Jordan put out some special edition Kobe ones that is butter. They look like the 11s, but they're like yellow and purple.
0: Mm-hmm. Bloody.
1: I would... Um, Definitely would like to get a pair of those in, in honor of the great. But you got any remarks on Kobe Bryant?
2: Nah, man. Um, I'll be honest. It was a hard week for me last week. Like, emotionally. I don't know. It it really shifted the, I guess, environment. The vibes was just off all last week. Well, this week, because this week is still going. But, yeah. Um,
1: you know how old he, he was? I do believe he was, he, I think he was like 41. And that's, for me, that's kind of like in our age group, you know? Exactly. And it's yeah. like, I mean, granted, I I'm 36, at least the last time I checked. But like, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of came close because we came up with Kobe.
2: Exactly. So you know,
1: like, uh, I, I really get it. I actually, I seen him in Thailand and I didn't know, yeah, I was there, the the Lakers were training there on their off season and so it was like, I'm in this bar, there's not a lot of black people in Thailand, so I see this tall guy and I just give him the heads up, like what's up, and he gave me the heads up back and I just said what's "What's up, and I was just like oh, like, you're Kobe Bryant, we didn't have like a conversation, anything like that but I I recall like bumping into him, that was pretty cool that um, is the, yeah there's the that he's gone? Yeah, I'm still processing that. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm still processing that. It's uh that, that kinda hit uh k close it, it it makes me want to uh you know, it makes you realize that that life is precious, life is fragile, and it makes me want to uh, you know, spend more time with loved ones and stuff. Yeah. But I don't wanna get all ooey gooey, but R. E. P. the REP the the Kobe Bryant, you know, yeah won't be forgotten but an additional topic on pop culture is the Watchmen. okay i heard it, it's not being scheduled for renewal on hbo um on the series like what you got any thoughts on that was it too real like the underlying agenda or what i
2: was looking up what like what they were saying like i guess tv critics or whatever mm-hmm. and. It won three awards um, this year. The ratings were good.
1: Phenomenal, Joe. Um,
2: let's see. It, it's basically the showrunner. It's like he's. It's kind of like he's in limbo. Does he want to do another season or not? Mm-hmm. HBO said they won't move forward another season unless he's involved because of obviously you want to keep the creator if it's successful. You want to keep that formula going.
1: And who who is the uh, the creator? Like, the, uh, the guy that you said they want to keep involved. He definitely got to shout I mean, him out. He, he did an outstanding job in uh, depicting
2: that I think franchise. I think his name is Damon Lindoff. Okay. I think he's Probably. behind. I think True Crime and something else he was behind as well. So, Ooh. yeah. Um.
1: Now, do you think he was getting pressure? from any particular communities like um there's a big, yeah. big supremacist agenda in the show and it yeah. triggered a lot of emotions in the black community or at least you know discussions that i've witnessed online it's uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in there but...
2: i think you could say another answer would be like you were saying earlier it got too real um mm. One of the things I I thought about, I said, I think alternative history, when you have an example of it, but also you bring out the truths of American history, like the ugly part, it makes people uncomfortable. I can see makes I would say it makes our community like, oh, wow, like it's, oh, okay, they don't ever talk about that. It's like, it's kind of like inspiration. It's like a reminder, like, hey, we got a lot of work to do. Like, I think for us.
1: You know what's embarrassing? With yeah. This, they, they don't really talk about that. What's embarrassing to me is I was not really uh, informed on the the Black Wall Street, the the Oklahoma incident that that occurred until you know watching the show and I, I had to do some, re- some research. Like, yo, that was real. Like, <laughs> that's uh, you're you're absolutely right. But my bad, you you're saying.
2: No, I think with these. With, with this alternative history, like they got the one on Amazon, like what if the Nazis won along with the, the Japanese? The
1: man in the, the high castle, I believe. It
2: yeah, was. that seems to be going just fine. I think they're like on their third or fourth season, but then you get it's to the watch fourth it.
1: season. But it's like, couldn't get into it. I'm like, okay, I'm curious to see where, they, where, they're, go, where they're going with it. But for me, it was just like, it's too dry. Uh, you're, yeah. you're right, it does seem to be successful.
2: Um, that's just like what happened with American Gods, the same thing. Orlando Jones, one of the popular characters on there, he was spitting some real truth, like he was exposing some things,
1: playing the depicting the African god Anansi, yes, or maybe he was a Caribbean god, but um, yeah, one of his famous scenes was he's inspiring slaves, the captive slaves, to like, yo, you guys aren't gonna go free, but you might as well burn the slave ship down, you know? And that's what that's what they did in, in, in the show. And it was very powerful imagery. And, and I heard there was a lot of controversy, a lot of uh, backlash from his performance.
0: Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, a man got fucked. Now, how is that for a story? Because that's the story of Black people in America. Shit, you all don't know you black yet You think you just people Let me be the first to tell you that you are all black The moment these Dutch motherfuckers set foot here and decided they white And you get to be black, and that's the nice name they call you Let me paint a picture of what's waiting for you on the shore you arrive in America, land of opportunity, milk and honey, and guess what? You all get to be slaves, split up, sold off, and worked to death. The lucky ones get Sunday off to sleep and fuck and make most slaves and all for what? For cotton, indigo, for a fucking purple shirt, The only good news is the tobacco your grandkids are going to farm for free is going to give a shitload of these white motherfuckers cancer. And I ain't even started yet. A hundred years later, you're fucked. A hundred years after that, A hundred years after you get free, you still getting fucked out of job and shot at by police. You see what I'm saying? This guy gets it. I like him. He's getting angry. Angry is good. Angry gets shit
1: done but yeah it it was canceled right that that show was canceled as well uh
2: i think so or they wrote him out i think they wrote Mm -mm. him out that's why it became an issue and he was also an executive producer which they don't talk about they just kind of talk about how he pushed back and was like hey he thanked the creator neil gaiman um but he said it was the other new regime that was coming in, the showrunners, that he mm-hmm. had a problem with. And he said he thinks he made them uncomfortable by speaking the truth. How powerful it was, how everybody was
1: well, here's the thing. Those words will never be taken back. No. Like everything that he said, it's already out there. It reached the masses. It's on Amazon. Outstanding yeah. show. But um <laughs> to to remove such a such a potent character from from the story plot, it's just like I don't know. I, I was a bit disappointed when, when I heard that too. So. But um, as far as for you know, African uh, American history, Black history, like mm-hmm. I just think the the controversial things that fire he was spitting on that show it, it's it's going to be remembered. We, I, I used one of his lines in the Upgrade America podcast, um, where we were talking about the missing Black women. It was some very powerful and, and truthful things. So, Anansi, yeah. you will be missed. But yeah. uh, you got anything else, or are we going to lead off with the technology?
2: Yeah, we're going to start the inventors, black, famous black inventors that are not spoken about necessarily. Maybe a couple you might have heard, but I'm pretty sure it would be somebody you haven't heard. So I'll throw a question out at you. Okay. Um, who's the first black inventor that came to mind that you remember growing up?
1: <laughs> growing up because we had the, um, you know, the whole generic... Black History Month thing, it was always George Washington Carver. I recall that he made, invented or discovered the peanut, the cotton gin, maybe some other, a bunch of things. He has a plethora of things. I even want to say they they, he is credited for some cheeses and and, and things of that nature. I just did a post on him on Instagram, so I'm going to uh, just recite this real quick. George Washington Carver developed 300 derivative products from peanuts, among them cheese, milk, coffee, flour, ink, dyes, plastics, wood stains, soaps, linoleum, medical oils, and cosmetics. Big ups on your endeavors. I jacked these facts from history.com. So he is always one of the inventors that we, we always hear about when, um, you know, discussing... Black history, like by default. And granted, yeah, over three hundred inventions. That's something to um, to be proud, but there's so many more, so many more uh, contributions that are being made. What do you think?
2: My the one first one came to mind was Garrett A. Morgan, who invented the stoplight, the traffic light, and the gas.
1: Um, Hold on, he is also credited for the gas mask? Yeah. I did not know that.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I had a book report. I forgot what grade it was, and it always stuck with me. I said, I like this guy. This guy came up with the traffic light and a gas mask, and it's funny how it foreshadows Air Force military gas masks. I was like a- thinking that, too.
1: I was like, had I known that, I would have been thinking about him when we were doing a chemical warfare training in, uh, in Lackland and in BMT. But yeah, it's very fascinating. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, he's dope, man. Um, all right, I'll ask you one more, and then you can throw something at me. Uh, why did why didn't we learn about black inventors in school growing up? Why do you think so?
1: Why do I think so? It's like, do I want to be cynical, or do I? why can i do i'll just be straight up maybe there's no emphasis or there was little emphasis to empower uh the minds of young african-american students like to um to to give us hope that hey you can do great things and invent great things is like maybe no one really cared maybe no and and again i don't know the answer you asked my thoughts and i'm giving you this but Mm -hmm. um because here's the thing like when we go through this list of famous african-american inventors like i want to go i just want to spit out my my favorite i took the screen actually not let me go here So most people don't know that we we all have these lovely devices, but the underlying technology came from the mind of an African American, so I'm going to shout out right now. So the color IBM PC monitor and the gigahertz chip was co-invented by Mark Dean, and this was in 1980. Wow, so it's like this is before I was born. So when I was going to school, like no, no one told me about this guy. No, I, I had I had no clue. But um, I think now we we need to make people aware of this so they can inspire to to get into technology because when we think about technology, we generally think of uh, of white dorky people like Bill Gates. Mark Zuckerberg, and I'm not making fun of you because I, too, am a dork, like, I'm, I'm in the tech as well, but generally, it seems to be um, technology and inventions, it seems, people have the perception that that's a white man's game, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Like, there are so many intelligent African-Americans who have made substantial contributions to technology, and again, like, <laughs> You don't have a colored monitor. You have no iPhone. You have no inferior Android device. But like, um, you go. That that, that comes from. Uh, this is some, you know, it's black people have made great contributions to that. And I deviated far from your question, but I think at the moment that maybe people really didn't care, like to to inspire the minds of of of, of young black people because. I had that misperception, like, that, you know, that's, I didn't know that, that, um, those things, but, I don't know, what do you think?
2: Uh, I want to give the ladies some love on the inventor side, so Sarah Boone in 1890.
1: Oh, no, no, I mean, like, what do you, what do you think, um, why it wasn't taught in, in school?
2: Oh, well, I can speak. From my most of my formative years at school was in South Carolina. So that probably will explain a lot more of okay. why it was taught because of the history of slavery and just the mindset. Not all South Carolinians, but I would say school wise, I remember just getting g- generic stuff like George Washington Carver, yep. maybe Benjamin Banneker, they would mention. Garrett A. Morgan, they kind of mentioned, the guy uh, that I said I admired, um, and that's kind of it. I remember in school, vaguely, um, I remember we would touch on slavery and stuff like that. We would kind of go Black History Month, but it seems like maybe just that month they would educate us, and just enough to get by, and then after that it's like nothing, like well, here's it's
1: nothing. A, here's what you got to consider, and here's another fun fact from my Instagram. So the celebration of Black History Month started as Negro History Week. And this was in 1926 by Carter G. Woodson, who was a notable African-American historian, scholar, educator, publisher. It became a month-long celebration in 1976. Really put that into perspective and really think about how many years that was prior to when you were born. I was born in 1983.
3: So yeah, that's me too. not
1: too far. That's not too far from from nineteen seventy-six. So take it into consideration, right?
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: oh yeah, this new thing, Black History Month, started damn near in the eighties. Damn. So we're going to we're going to school and, and again it's just a new thing. It's just like yeah, we gotta check that Black History Month box. So Martin Luther King had a dream. Rosa Parks said she's not moving from the, to, you know. And then you know there there there's your Black History Month. You yeah. know, it's just like <laughs> like we'll do it just to do it, and we'll do it on the shortest month of the year, you know. And I think that has been the attitude for Black History Month for quite some time. Now it's like um, more people are putting energy into it, more awareness is being spread, and um, our beloved show is doing an outstanding job on spreading the word, too. But um, I don't know, that's that's just how I feel.
2: You really blew my mind with that, man. You put it in historical perspective and then current day. 'Cause I thought about it when you said that, I was like, Oh yeah, we grew up in the we grew up in the nineties, born in the eighties, right? Mm-hmm. We're in high school, I was just thinking about high school as you were talking, I'm like, man, that was ninety seven to two thousand one. So, wow. Yeah, you make a great point, man, on that one. Um, I do remember a couple of McDonald's used to do it three sixty five. They used to do it every day of the year. Right. And- and then nickelodeon was really good with black history on their programming surprisingly
1: came up with nickelodeon huh i said i came up with nickelodeon
2: yeah like on their shows and cartoons around black history they they would drop some really good nuggets like really good history so they are there were some entities that were doing it pushing it forward but you know now it's the age of the information so I think it's more on us to do it as a community.
1: And I kind of felt like, uh, how do you say, generic, when I'm like, okay, pasting pictures of George Washington Carver, but he laid the the groundwork, you know? Like, you you gotta respect the OGs, and he's definitely one of them who who put a, a lot of work in for that. But let me throw a question at you. All right. Um, and I'm going to go out of sequence. But okay. The biggest African-American in the tech industry. Do you have any idea?
2: No. Well,
1: I suppose we'll have to ask Google because I'm not too sure either.
2: I mean, George Washington is up there as far as if you want to call oh, okay.
1: him. Oh, I'm talking about now.
2: Oh, currently. It was a little tricky on that one. Currently, I'm just
1: going to type in. Okay. African Americans in technology. Let's see if anyone notable comes up. Seven most prominent black tech experts from history and today. Let's see what comes up here.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm really curious too.
1: So it says 17 most prominent black tech experts from history and today. But I want to know, like, now yeah that's that's the hard information to find so otis boykin a native of dallas texas boykin graduated from fisk college During his personal life again worked with majestic radio and last worked with pn nielsen research okay what did he do though um boykin was a prolific inventor who had 26 patents by his death notable inventions include wire precision resistors Used in television, radios, IBM computers, and even military missiles. That's outstanding. Yeah. So, they have someone who's Melboy R- Moulton is another prominent mathematician who was essential at NASA. She served as one of NASA's human computers. Yeah, I heard about these uh these brilliant African American women. And yeah. So, like on point with their math skills that <laughs> remember like they said like uh, how you say the computation po- power that they had going to the moon at the time was like our phone is like way stronger than that so at some point in time like the human mind was like they could crunch numbers faster than what they were doing with their computers but yeah, yeah. I guess she was one of them but okay so this is someone who They're saying 1933 to 2011, easily began her career as one of four black employees. She was also at NASA. Okay. Yeah, I I was really referring to, like, people who are in, like, the tech industry. I hear of, um, like, Afrotech. I mean, I'm going to do some more research on them. I know they're having some events in the future, but... Uh more I guess more or less I was I was looking for the the black mark Mark Zuckerberg. You gotcha thing.
2: I think so. We probably have to dig a little deeper on that. Mm. Um, yeah, that that's probably more specialized. Because I know there's a lot of stuff going on in Africa like that too. There's uh, been I some see. brilliant inventors.
1: Now that you, you mentioned it, uh, I did want to discuss uh, Akon's doing his, I'm a big crypto enthusiast, made mm-hmm. a shit ton of money off of the, the bull run on Ethereum Classic and Bitcoin, of course, but I'm fascinated by what Akon is doing with um, his coin. It's I'm concerned for him as he's talking about essentially making the euro of Africa but the digital euro of Africa yeah. and all you conspiracy theorists out there who say Qaddafi got whacked for kind of trying to unify Africa, Akon's kind of venturing down the same road and I salute you and I applaud you and your endeavors um, I think it's a great thing because Africa has the physical wealth and then if they're fair getting that digital wealth and unifying the continent forget it but um that's something that that's that's pretty exciting but um since that question was uh you know we didn't get the answer that i want to throw another one actually all right what is the most pivotal invention to come from an african-american inventor from your perspective
2: that's tough man um most pivotal invention. Well, since we're in the realm of podcasting and everything else, mm-hmm. I could say the microphone was invented by James E. West in 1964.
1: Great answer. And I like how you tied it into the Upgrade America podcast.
2: You know it, Uh Let's see. That's the microphone supplement. was used and also it it led to also hearing aids, tape recorders, most telephones, and baby monitors. He also, he was alongside a German colleague, Gerhard Sessler. Okay. So, they were, were kind of together, so I'll say he co-invented it, but, you know, he pushed the microphone forward, so. But
1: again, I mentioned, like, this, our beloved devices, uh right? Well, I mean, if you have an Android, you probably don't love your phone so much, but I mean, like... The microphone, a key component to the cell phone. You have the the screen, obviously, you know, and then the the microphone as well. But then the microphone also pertains to the speaker, you know, like. It's very, very fascinating when you you really consider like these technologies that we all have and covet is, you know, they they stem from um, from African-American ingenuity
2: mm-hmm what else you got question
1: um, okay so i mean we we did uh if you got any more um people you want to shout out for as far as black inventors i have one more question but i, I want to throw that to you after this
2: all right i'm gonna throw out some ladies because we we uh respect equality and we want to give them their shine too indeed so, I'm going to throw out Shirley Ann Jackson. She uh, helped develop CallRD and call Waiting in 1970. Let's see.
1: And Let's see I, 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 I truly appreciate her right now because Ooh. my phone, when it rings. Oh, it's not just a phone. It's an iPhone. 11 Pro. But when it rings, it says, like, hey, it's a robocaller or potential spam or like, you know, one of your crazy ex-girlfriends is calling from another number. Like, <laughs> because of you, I have that beloved technology, so thank you.
2: Um, another one I found interesting was the CCTV, home security system. Yes, Co-invented by Mary Van Britten Brown in 1966.
1: Now, as defenders, we, we know very well about the CCTVs and the criticality of that technology my like big contribution to uh, keeping America safe. Did she receive any decorations or because um, you know civilians can receive medals, right? yeah um, I think that's worth an accommodation uh, and I guess uh, is she still alive today? That's a good
2: question.
1: If so, upon uh, taking office, I will award her in the flesh or post hominously
2: she might be alive um let's see oh yeah sarah boone in 19 uh 1892 she improved the iron board so she made some improvements to it to make it more efficient throw her out as well um that's it oh one more question i have for you okay um do you think america knows who invented most things we use in everyday life as we're doing this and that those uh, individuals were black. <laughs>
1: um, I like to think of myself like slightly above average and a lot of things that I didn't know. So I can only yeah. assume the average person like doesn't know these things either. And it's, um, I mean, you hit me with a few fun facts today as well and it's fascinating and again it it goes to show that um everyone preaches diversity and i know some almost to extent where people are tired of hearing it like "Mm, diversity diversity but when you have a bunch of different ideas a bunch of different people who think differently you get a bunch of different inventions a bunch of different creations and sure. look how all these creations have come together. And, again, Apple, you better pay me for this. Like, made this beloved uh, creation right here. And um, to answer your question, I'm very confident that a lot of people don't don't know. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's uh, I, I think it's important just to emphasize the importance of, uh, like I said, diversity. It's, it took a bunch of people coming together. From mm-hmm. all different backgrounds to, to make everything that you see in this this physical world. So, and African Americans have made huge contributions to that. Um, I think I'm going to throw mine at you.
2: Yeah,
1: go for it. Okay, cool. So, um, I heard Jay-Z reference Afrotech in 444. And he has also, he's gotten into a digital media platform title. It's like streaming music and I'm not too sure if it's movies and things of that nature, but he's gone digital. So my question for you is, how can we get the black community into technology? How can we get more inventors? How can we get more? If there is not a Mark Zuckerberg of technology, the African um, American Mark Zuckerberg, I guess I'll take the spot with my software company, but you know, that we how can we get the uh, the black Elon Musk? Like, how can we we encourage the youth to get into tech?
2: Um, I guess simple answer: just have it in K through twelve. Like, make that a very integral part in education. Um, because I can remember growing up in school and. Like, it's long ago but not long ago. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much tech besides learning how to type on a computer. And I think that was it, really. It and wasn't as much STEM tech going on.
1: But even still, there's one thing about making it a curriculum and there's I'm sure there'll be countless people who like, this is boring, I don't want this. But, mm-hmm. I suppose I was referring more so to the culture. Oh, okay. Do you, how do we get the our culture more ingrained with technology? Like we use technology, we are dependent, we purchase technology. But mm. how do we get more inventors, more Black inventors, and and particularly particularly in this age where where technology is. Is, is critical, it's taking over and it's skyrocketing. We need to get a piece of that, that market, a bigger piece of that market. How do you, any ideas, thoughts on, on how to do that?
2: I think you got to go where I think the biggest thing is how you deliver the message of learning about technology mm-hmm. and making it fun and catering it to basically. Our community, how we learn. Um, I could say one vehicle of it is, and I know it might sound a little funny, but hip hop. If we hmm. started hearing more lyrics talking about, yo, invent the next invention or this and that, along with a catchy beat, that could be one avenue. Or because most, I would say most kids listen to those, listen to that music.
1: I think um, so too, and that's why I mentioned Jay Z because it's like. I was yeah. surprised to hear him mention Afrotech, you mm-hmm. uh, know? And I was like, okay, I, I, I see the little, the subtle seed that you're, you're throwing out there, but um, I think that's that's very critical that um, as jobs are trending towards technology, mm-hmm. like, I think it, it's very important that, you know, that, that our, uh, the black community, particularly our kids, get more involved in technology. And I'm just trying to think the best way to do that. But I, I agree, hip hop is, maybe I'll do it, I'll drop a song, drop a little lyric about, uh, you know, getting into technology, just to throw, just to throw that out there. I'll like throw it.
2: something else in there real quick. I think okay. if, you, if you encourage the kids from a young age, at least expose them to it, go into the science center um, in your city or town or going somewhere where it has that, signing up for workshops doing fun things as kids age i think that inspires that's what inspires you got to have them in those environments okay bring instead of getting maybe necessarily the new iphone for christmas get something to help them build their first iphone their new version or whatever like stem stem kits for christmas or something like that or for the birthday or i think it starts at the foundation of when you have kids, like as you're raising them. I think if you do it that way, when they have kids, they're going to continue that because that's what they know. Okay. I think that's another way to do it. It just starts at home.
1: That's, um, you bring up a very um, a very great point, like technical gifts and have them create and, and learn things. Yeah, I think uh, you take uh, that into consideration on my son's next birthday. Hey. Well um I suppose I don't know. How are we gonna transition into racism? Let's do it. You got a segue (laughs) or something? all right. I mean here it is. We might as well just uh jump right in. Yeah. It's
3: um
1: it's a sensitive topic. Feel free to be offended. God bless the first amendment. so let's just get to it. um Racism in in America. Our country was founded on racism. It's in the Constitution. Yeah. It said that African Americans were considered all others or all other people. So like we didn't count towards electoral votes or something. that I, I believe could be mis saying that incorrectly. But long story short, when uh, the Constitution was written, they are determining how many votes. Uh, each state would get, and even though certain states had were populated with African Americans because they were slaves like, they didn't count as people and that's in the the founding document of uh, of our nation mm-hmm. and it, it says a lot and it is it's, it really makes me think when you have men saying that all men are created equal well, I mean <laughs> Except the, all those those men in you know in chains and shackles, and then all the women over there. We we, we didn't mean that that, didn't, that doesn't apply to you either. But that's the foundation of our nation, and um, it progressively gotten better, but it's it started off on uh, you know on these terms. So um, let me let me throw a question at you. All right. So obviously, African Americans have gotten the short end of the stick in regards to racism. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to dispute that, and not necessarily you, Chris, I'm talking about any of our, our listeners, by all means, come on the show. Yeah. How do you think racism towards the black community is hurting the white community?
2: This is a hard question to answer because I was like to step outside of myself to answer this, Mm -hmm. it's very challenging. Um, But this is what I came up with. So I said, I think it keeps racism going. So it doesn't change. Also hinders, hinders the process of keeping themselves, white America, isolated culturally, spiritually and socially. Wow. That's kind of what I came up with. I'm like, if you continue this racism, you're going to continue to be isolated, I guess, hated, um, dismissed. Like, you're just going to keep the same vicious uh, cycle while the world is progressing. Because if you put it in perspective.
1: Wow. That was very profound what you just said. What? You're going to stay in this mindset while the mm. rest of the world is progressing. Yeah. Wow. That's very profound, and it, it should, I, I hope that comes as a, as a wake-up call, like the lack of, of it's stagnation against mm-hmm. evolution. Interesting, but please continue. Um, I don't know.
2: That's the only thing I could really come up with, because I'm like, how does it hurt them? I think, yeah, I think that's the best way I could put it.
1: So I, I, I had to take a shot at my own question, and I, it's many things I agree with with what you said, but mm-hmm. I think it keeps it keeps them tense, and no one wants to be tense. And what I mean by tense, so it's like again, I'm scrolling through my social media, and then I see an article where there's a white cop, and mm-hmm. he shot an unarmed. Black man who was handcuffed inside the vehicle, and I'm like, okay, watchmen and stuff aside, we have there's there's we have an issue with uh with with, with racism in America. There's no secret to that. So you already have the African American man who's feeling tense himself because he's just been taken into captivity. Regardless, I don't know the details of what the crime is, but nonetheless, he's he's been re- stripped of his freedom with a cop who could or could not be racist. He doesn't know that, but again, there's this stigma out there. You know, mm-hmm. watchman is feeding into that. The TV shows feeding into that paranoia. So he's cuffed and probably scared as shit. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, so then you have this... Uh, you, you have the white... Cop, I don't know his story. I don't. I don't know him. But at the same time, could or could not be racist. But he's probably scared as shit. Mm -hmm. He's probably tense and and on edge because this whole racism thing. It's not just affecting the black community. And you you could see in this case, it it affected him because he he got shot. I don't know if he died from the results of the shooting, but nonetheless, he got shot. But at the same time, that guy. He's not even, he's wrongfully discharging his weapon because, and I can only assume it's because he's scared. Because what other reason would you have to shoot an unarmed person who's handcuffed in a vehicle? It's fear. And I think that is a a problem, is hatred towards the Black community. It's reciprocating back on you. Granted, it's like, you know... (laughs) We're not f- forming hate groups, you know, against the uh, you know, white supremacy, whatever, all, all that stuff. But at the same time, your own fear is, is coming back to, to bite you. And mm-hmm. that's, that's how I perceive it. It may not be to the same magnitude of what our community, the black community, is enduring. However, like racism, it affects everyone.
2: Yeah. It does, man. You you make a good point. From the other side, you always on edge. You always nervous. You don't know what to say. Now that we live in a culture where you can say the wrong thing, you're done. Cancel culture. Mm-hmm. So, like example, the lady that misspoke about Kobe. You know Gee the law. Of-
3: yeah.
2: yeah, you see what she's going to start up a shitstorm. Like,
1: now, is we'll there any are there any clips of that like? I've seen the articles come up because if there are, then I'll, I'll slide one in. Or you think I should leave it out?
2: Um, we could put it in and just use it for leave it up for interpretation.
3: Yeah, it seems like he was just the kind of athlete, the kind of star that was perfectly cast on the. Lo- yeah, it seems like he was just the kind of athlete, the kind of star that was perfectly cast on the Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers. Kavita.
1: Okay, but you're you're absolutely right. It's um. I don't know it's like this thing is age old like it is 2020 it's a new, new millennium about- a new decade in, 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 in and in a new millennium like come on like, let's get over this already um
2: so let me ask you a question um as president how would you deal with racism in office <laughs>
1: Now, you're going to have to elaborate on on that as far as dealing with racism. Because here's the thing, like, Mm -hmm. just me holding that office. And I think I'm going to find some clips from this of all the racist things that like Fox News and other news things said about Barack Obama. Like, oh, they're going to have fried chicken and, and all this and all this.
2: Go ahead, say it. Where in the, hizzy. Not, in the, the hizzy. Not, Do not, just, we really
3: man? have to have him in the white hizzy? What's
0: with all the hoods in the hizzy? Kind of a boys in the hood handshake. This is not the guy that you invite to the White House for poetry reading. What he's trying to do is to, cre- is to rekindle the sense of black victimization. How does increasing taxes count? as spending cuts in your world, Mr. Obama. Maybe in Kenya. Presidents say Trayvon could have been me 35 years ago. I guess because what? He was part of the Chum gang and he smoked pot and he did a little blow. You've decided that chugging a few forties and rediscovering your Irish is more important. If
2: he had been anything other than African-American, and and I don't mean to cast aspersions
0: on African-Americans, but he would have been impeached and convicted by now.
1: Whatever, but are you talking about dealing with that type of racism or are you talking about dealing with racist events and and everything occurring across the nation.
2: We're gonna go with both. I'm curious. I'm just kind of curious, what do you think? How you would deal with it? So start with just holding the office and then just start with, I guess, events in society.
1: So, sticks and stones may break my bones, but like, I got secret service, so <laughs> don't mess with me. But, um, yeah, they can say whatever they want as long as they don't. Uh, there's no violence uh, coming my direction. I, I don't care. I mean, don't get it wrong. I'm not gonna hold my tongue. I'm gonna say some uh, slick shit back. But you know, it's it's to be expected. We are yet a primitive uh, nation, and we have room for much improvement. So, I, it's to be expected.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, in regards to like incidents and and things of that nature. Like racism and, and uh, racial hate crimes and, and things of that nature, then yeah, I gotta come down with the, the utmost severity and absolute. I don't know. Gotta find a way to to crush that by. I don't want to say by deterrence and setting examples, but mm. you you gotta. We we don't have time for. We really don't have. Um, we don't have the time, the resources to be fighting wars within ourselves. Like, Mm um, so. But that, yeah, that's that's my answer on that, unless you have a more specific incident you'd like me to address.
2: No, no, I was just curious, like, generally, like, how do you think you would react to holding the office and then incidents while you're in office?
1: But don't get it wrong, like, while holding the office, Mm -hmm. even while you're not holding office, like you as an individual you are an ambassador of your race <laughs> and i know a, it's a really big responsibility so when you're out and then you're in public and you're you know you, you acting up you are giving people the perception that all black people are like that
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: if you're you're wowing out and and, and just I don't know so in office yeah I'd have to be on my best behavior as you know as an ambassador of my race but also as an ambassador of the free world like mm-hmm. you gotta move smooth I like um seen the Obama meme you know and they're saying like how many people under his administration ended up in prison or something mm-hmm. I say it was zero like the amount of
2: People as in
1: who though. Under his administration. Like within oh, his administration. Right. Like when right. you're looking at the when you're looking at the Trump administration, the Bush administration, how many people that worked for Trump or worked in that office ended up in jail, in prison? Oh, oh quite got a bit. I'll see if I can find those that, that meme and slide that in here. Well okay. I'm I'm only saying that to say that the way he presented himself in office. He represented himself in office was very smooth I, I admire his uh, his, his demeanor and and how he ran things granted are they saying like he could have been uh, charged for you know drone ops in pakistan well that's another episode i suppose we'll, we'll have to discuss but regardless, as far as like scandals in in the White House with his, with his himself, you know, if he was getting blow jobs in the Oval Office, we didn't hear about it. So that's to be commended. But again, myself personally, yeah, I would respect the the office to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. So let me see if I can throw one at you. Unless you got something else.
2: No, go ahead.
1: Okay. So has the fight against racism been mostly progressive? And do you foresee progression in the future to be slow or exponential?
2: (laughs) So short answer for the first question, I would say yes. And then do I foresee progression um, to be slow and incremental or exponential? This is my theory, okay. okay. incrementally. incrementally yeah, I'm am butchering it. Basically, small steps. Uh, because racism is a culture, tradition, and religion, which includes power. You
1: said and a religion. Which it is power. Wow, it's you preaching today, man? Please go ahead.
2: Nah, it, nobody likes to give up power. That's just human yes, nature, it will take generations or aliens invading.
0: Haha. <laughs> said that. In our obsession with antagonisms of the moment, we often forget how much unites all the members of humanity. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bound. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? What could be more alien to the universal aspirations of our peoples than war and the threat of war?
1: And I, I'm gonna slide that clip in in, in in, right here. Yeah. Yeah, it was Reagan that said that, but um, please. You said or aliens invading
2: yeah that's it from outer space and like, that
1: would give us exponential growth
2: yeah i think it would you got to put all that to the side if we're getting invaded
1: <laughs> there's a wonderful <laughs> dan brown book i believe where they're like they simulate the government simulates an alien invasion or something like that too i don't yeah. know what uh that's very but, that's very fascinating uh perspective
2: I, I would also add this one other thing caveat it's going to take the younger generation white and black to usher in this new era of whether we're dismantling racism or we're going to continue it as just evolve that's another thing to so, consider
1: and that's a very uh i guess i want to ask, ask you that then now how How do you think racism has evolved because and and i want to run you back to a conversation that we had when we were in orlando you're talking Mm -hmm. about more refined racism oh yeah is more uh more um how do you say more aggressive dynamic racism but one of the the best examples that you you mentioned that i did not take into consideration were the hipsters and i'm like hipsters aren't racist or But please, how do you think it's evolved? Well,
2: when people think of racism, they think of cross burning. They think of KKK. They think Mm -hmm. of Charlottesville now. That's another example. But they don't think about every day in the office when... um, Or, well, the hipster. I'll use the hipster example. So, hipsters are seen as, like, openly diverse, um, usually have cool eateries, um, unique neighborhoods. But what people don't realize,
1: huh? Williamsburg, Brooklyn. is
2: What people don't realize, though, behind that is racism. Like, they're basically kicking everybody out that was in that neighborhood. That's Mm -hmm. one which would be like redlining, which is basically poor neighborhoods or black people or in this area. It's a real estate form of racism, basically. They um, they change the school districts up. Once they come in, they change the schools. So you're kicking more people out of, say that school district that they were in.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you start seeing. I give an example like noise complaints from this historic block. I give you an example like in I think it was D.C. Perfect example. They play go-go music. Go-go is a part of Washington D.C.'s culture. It's a type of music right that Americans. It's culturally the thing. Well, they were bumping this music out. Of, I think a Metro PCS or something. Well, because of gentrification, which is a form of racism, people don't think about. Um. Now you have people that have moved in the neighborhood. Now they're complaining about noise complaints. When all this noise goes on during business hours, meaning nine to five, and okay. then the noise stops. Because the shop owner closes and he's gone. The music was only going when he was there. So it's it's so a refined thing is like um a refined form of racism and bigotry and stuff like that is like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Oh, what did you, Tyrone, what did you think about that slave movie yesterday? Instead of, say a scientific movie that came out, but they went straight to the slave and say a white coworker asked this. Like, that's like a form of racism, but it's very subtle. You, no. It'll take it in it. Go ahead.
1: We, we got to talk on the definition of racism because
2: Okay, yeah.
1: I think we construe prejudice and racism. And while prejudice is no fun either, it differs a little differently from, from racism. Okay. So I think your your example with the movie it is more of a form of prejudice. Like they're prejudging, assuming that you would want to see a movie on slavery over something or a sci fi play. Over a sci fi play. You
2: want me to read out the definition of racism? I can read it out.
1: Sure, do your thing.
2: All right it says prejudice, discrimination or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior.
1: And that's Google's definition, right? I saw that as well. And it did throw in prejudice in there. But again, it's... um, We're all prejudiced. Every single human being is prejudiced. And my understanding, that's an evolutionary trait that we gain. For instance, you see a tiger. You see a tiger eat a person. Moving forward you're gonna assume that all tigers eat people. And when you see a tiger, you're gonna keep it for move. But But um, the same thing applies as, that's prejudice essentially, but that we, we, we have those same connotations with people and, and interactions. So prejudice is one thing, but when you're taking those prejudice, those prejudices, is, is that correct? Grammatically correct? I Anyways, mean, mm-hmm. when you're taking that prejudice, and then you're applying action to, like, for instance, let's take a, 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 a situation where you're, like, um, towards, towards African-Americans. Someone's renting, right? And they're, like, in the past, previous tenants, they were they, they didn't take out the garbage and they paid rent late. So they assume that all oh, African-Americans do that. It's one thing to hold that belief, but it's another thing to hold that belief. And then deny that person rent because of those beliefs. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just my perception of racism. Because there's countless prejudices that we face in everyday life. But it's it's another thing when, when actions are involved. What do you think? Well, this
2: is another definition of racism, which I think speaks to what we're talking about like hipsters uh, given other examples okay racism is basically a system constructed to dominate a culture or a race a group of people in every area of activity economics education entertainment labor law politics religion sex war and counter war hmm. that to me is a true definition of racism
1: um, it seems to be in the agenda where um, I guess they're saying uh, the left agenda is that they're calling everything racism and that seems to be a weapon of choice that's being used in uh, in the 2020 election is like this is racist that is racist and uh, I think it needs we need some clarity on this <laughs> but um I want to ask you, one more question.
2: Okay.
1: And this was very interesting. So it was trending like what? Maybe a year or two ago. Kanye West um, mentioned that slavery was a choice. And the, the black community went nuts on it. <laughs> and I'm like, me being non-polarized, I always tried to rationalize and, and, and look into it. So I'm like, what could he have possibly meant? And I can only rationalize the meaning of that 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 if every slave Joined forces And rebelled, do or die That there is no way they would have Remained enslaved Because here's the thing, it's like everyone wants Freedom, but no one wants to Fight for it, like you hear all these These sissies crying about I don't want to get drafted, I don't want to get drafted But you want your freedom though, right? But you're not willing to fight and die For it And I think the same mindset was in slavery because there were those who ran away, those who rebelled, those who came back and freed other slaves but no one wants to put in that work they want to benefit from that work but no one wants to put it in Mm
3: -hmm. so
1: my question for you is with that notion do you think a unified rebellion could have ended slavery?
2: Uh Yes, probably a little bit sooner. I think it had just been timing of when they did it. Mm-hmm. So all thirteen colonies, right?
3: Mm-hmm. If
2: you did it maybe in the middle of the American Revolution, Ooh. that probably would have changed some stuff up real quick. Well, I
1: do believe yeah. the Brits offered them um, not clemency but like freedom. They're like, "Yo, slaves, like join forces with us and you'll get your freedom."
2: So if if Blacks decide to do that, that would have been interesting or in the middle of the civil war. Mm. so if That situation be like all right you know what this is our time to do our thing and mess up both sides to get our freedom and equality and justice whatever.
1: I don't know so, like I would have joined forces with the union just mm-hmm. because they're mobilizing for a a similar objective to fight on, on both fronts that's not particularly That's not particularly wise Cause it's like well, you're fighting the rebels And you're fighting the union Like that's yeah, just a whole triangular <laughs> clusterfuck that's, that's not gonna Don't bring a Go to a gunfight in the basement Yeah that's well
2: But uh, let me answer it And then I'm gonna I'm a, um, comment on what you said So this is what I came up with People don't realize there were 250 slave rebellions before 1865. Not talked about.
1: Now, was there maximum participation?
2: Not necessarily, but there are 250 of them.
1: Okay.
2: So, we'll get into why they didn't work real quick. You have traders in every group of people. That's what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. trade
1: You're right. You're right. People who... I suppose that would be the hardest thing. It's like keeping the lid on that, keeping the, the hush on that, because one person is going to be massive, massive. Yes, yeah. Cameron Ross Planet, Planted big slave rebellion. But Yeah, I guess you're right. So
2: let's talk about that part. That goes into the counterculture in black culture of cooning or selling out or uncle Tom, all these terms. Mm. So basically it's a traitor to your own race for financial benefit or social economic benefit so you're willing to basically throw the community away for financial gain or for a higher status at a job or whatever the case might be so but to show an example if we were all unified which you asked in the question haiti is a perfect example of what you would do what it would have took to win which was the most successful slave rebellion Led by Toussaint Louvier, I'm probably butchering his last name, and then Jean Jacques Celine. And, um,
1: yeah, nice little Napoleon uh, uniform. Napoleon, very important.
2: If you pay attention to their strategy with their slave rebellion, traitors, Uh they they killed all of them. There was no Uh traitors by the time they were ready to like revolt. And rebel all them traders were dead and
1: That's how you gotta move
2: exactly the interesting part about it is how they got rid of traders is they would poison them through the food they, you know or just straight up kill them isolate them kill them whatever the case but another yeah, thing I'm a bit
1: more dynamic i ain't got time for that poison stuff. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but another thing to consider too is women were involved as well in the rebellion because they're closer to the generals, the masters, like all of that. They mm-hmm. would poison families. They would do all these kind of things to help weaken them. Mm-hmm. Um, so,
1: I imagine there's a bit of voodoo in there coming from Haiti.
2: Yeah, you know, which is a spiritual African practice. Let's get that on the table. People act like it's so evil when you see white people in Louisiana also using voodoo like worshiping voodoo as um, There's
1: always a true a bit of duality There's uh mm-hmm. the painful side which they call considered black magic and then you know there's uh the white side and i know you shouldn't associate negative and positive with colors but that's what it was but um i'm also,
2: gonna, I'm also gonna present this too Haiti is also an example of what would have happened if we rebelled in the states of 13 colonies, but it showed also that slavery is not just chains and whips, it's also economics and laws. That's the key part because Haiti now has been unstable since the rebellion, economically and legally by Mm -hmm. friends and other entities. So that's another thing to consider. Was slavery a choice? You could argue, yes, you know, mentally.
3: Mm.
2: You could argue, no, like, you weren't, it wasn't your choice to necessarily come to America and be a slave, like, you were taken. Some of our own people put us up for slavery, let's be honest about it. Some of our people had owned slaves, let's be honest about that.
1: Um, then, uh, but, again, the whole that, thing was the, you, you raise up a very Valid point. So I guess what I would be saying is, allowing slavery to last was that a choice? If I had to rephrase the question because okay. I'm, I'm very confident that again, strength is in the numbers, mm-hmm. and you have I, I couldn't I can't even tell you the number of how many slaves uh, were were in America, but I do believe they they may have outnumbered their their white masters. And Mm -hmm. if everyone was willing to, either listen, we getting, what what does that flag say? Don't tread on me. Give me liberty or give me death. And if every slave, if every slave held that in their heart and said, yo, we're not picking your goddamn cotton. I'll burn this motherfucker down. You can kill me. You chop me up, but I will die before I remain a slave. Give me liberty or give me death if everyone had that in their heart then yeah i believe there that that would have been shut down a long time ago Mm -hmm. you're 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 in the master's house you're cooking the master's food oops i left the stove on the whole plantation burned down like yeah so um i don't know but it's easier for me to say that now than Mm -hmm. to be there because it's uh my understanding is what was done to not to you you mentioned traders but the white people viewed uh, you know, slaves getting freedom as, as traitors, but the punishments were severe. It's tar and feathers. It was lynching. It was it, it was, it was, it was, and it was a public example to put that fear into the hearts of everyone else. So they wouldn't want to do that. It's, but um,
2: it'll get a little graphic, but I'm going to throw some other stuff in there that's not talked about. Okay. They also, they would get the biggest slave, male, and rape mm-hmm. them. The male masters would rape them in front of everybody. Wow. That's not talked about. So like there's a lot of not spoken them. about, huh?
1: Demasculizing them.
2: Yeah. So what made me angry with the Kanye thing is like, yo, mentality-wise, you gotta think like you were conditioned to be subservient. This is not you want to be subservient. You were conditioned. You were stripped from your land, culture, language, mm-hmm. homeland. You don't know where you're at. Now you got to adjust to all of this after just boom. You had this long ship ride. Everything is starting over. You just hit the reset button. Now you got these people telling you what to do. And they they set up their foundation. Hey, you're going to be serving us. And this is how you're going to do it. You get out of line. This is going to happen to you. So it's more to it than slavery was a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just mad at the traitors. That's what pisses me off the most. Like the traitors within our groups. That's what pisses me off. Because if we didn't have traitors, we would have ended slavery a long time ago.
1: And I think that's a very valid point is, again, trying to keep a unification is the key. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And to try to keep the biggest secret in American history... I imagine that would be a, a pretty difficult job. So, do I believe slavery was a choice? No. Do I feel in my heart that I would do my best to, to escape and, you know, burn all the plantations down? Yeah, I think I, I would have done that. And if more people felt like that, I think slavery would have ended a lot sooner. But do uh, you got any more? We were trying to do the positive sandwich thing and, you know, end on... On positive, but you got anything else on racism before we transition?
2: Um, we kind of already answered it, but I was going to ask you, what do you think the average American thinks the definition of racism
1: is? Um, again, it's like, it seems to be an agenda where it's like, or everyone has this conception, like, oh, like, I went into the store mm-hmm. and they were following me around and watching me because I'm black. That's racist. No, because you came in with like baggy pants hanging off your ass and you look like criminal. Mm-hmm.
2: Like... But is that profiling, which is a form of racism? I mean... So you don't...
1: Uh, you you wouldn't... Um, law, former law enforcement officer. hmm Defender. You, Chris. Like, mm-hmm. There's no room for... Let's forget the, the, the urban scenario and let's take it to Afghanistan. And okay. It's... Surely there are a, a, a list of characteristics that you would be scanning for to determine if an individual is hostile. He, he may have a weapon. He may. You're not going to look at everyone. Neutral, 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 neutral. You're going to scan. You're going to observe. You're going to see something that's... That's going to, uh... it may... Make your spider senses tingle.
3: hmm
1: But, I don't know. I'm not just saying that, the You know, people who dress like criminals... And the people who don't... Don't steal. Because, like... Everyone... Mm-hmm. Everyone steals. But still, like, um... Let me put it to you this way. From the way I'm dressed right now... I know... Mm-hmm. People are going to treat me entirely different if my pants were hanging off my ass,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's not because of the color of my skin.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I don't know. Like, I think everyone wants to jump to every. This is racist. This is racist. This is racist. And it's really not the case.
2: I'm conflicted on this and I'll tell you why, because there are people in suits that
1: have been lynched. Oh so man, sure this, trust me, this suit is no immunity to racism. Yeah, so but I'm talking about right. I'm, I'm I'm I sure I'm I'm very confident that I'm not going to be followed around a store in a suit. Mm-hmm. Well to wear uh, if I'm dressed like uh, you know, like a bum. But mm-hmm. again, I you can't take every I don't know.
2: I mean, but it goes back to what we are talking about earlier. How can you not when this is all, you know, like growing up in the culture of America. Mm-hmm. All you have known for the most part is racism, just like it's on both sides. Like we also describe, like if you're from Iowa, a white dude from Iowa that's never seen black people or been around them. Yeah, you're going to feel uncomfortable being around a group of black people. you never been around them, but
1: Not necessarily. Let's take our experiences overseas and and, and even in different Mm. states like Mm. where, you know, not, we can't assume everyone thinks like that.
2: That's true. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying like, it's frustrating that I know going through America, no matter where I go, I got to deal with racism no matter where I go in America. Like, that's frustrating. This is my country, just as much as it's yours, and I gotta worry about dying in my own country that I fought for. That pisses me off. And when I go overseas, I don't feel like I gotta worry about stuff. Hmm. So,
1: yeah, and I, I agree, like, um. I do feel safer from racism overseas, even in European countries. It's just um, people. It's I don't want to say it's generational, mm-hmm. but really, when you consider, people are still waving the flag of General Robert E. Lee, mm-hmm. like. Um, newsflash, y'all lost the Civil War. Newsflash, like, black people aren't slaves. Get over it. Like, we, were you still waving Confederate flag? Oh, it stands for the South and all that bullshit. No. Come on. The symbolism associated, that was the banner of of the army that, that wanted to uh, keep slavery. So yeah, there's, um, it seems to be passed down through generations. It's like... Well, grandfather waved the flag, and now daddy waved the flag, and now great-great-whatever fuck is waving the flag, too, and we, we still have that cycle. But I think it's dying, but it's difficult because it seems to be uh increasing, too. So, I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know.
2: It's, it's
1: just
2: i put it this way. I don't disagree with some of the things you said, but I also got to a point now where it should matter and we're not represented equally. You could just see media covers for certain stories. You put the same incident up, but change the race. Totally different coverage. You're right. Different pr- presentation of the facts and the character of the person and all this like totally different. It's not equal. And that's where it starts, like the perception. We talked about perception, like just present it how it is as people. Oh, he just happened to be black, but this is what happened. These are the facts. Oh, he just happened to be white. This is what happened. These are the facts. um, That's it.
1: be straight up and down with you. You're never going to get that from mainstream coverage. No. You're not. No. So I mean, we live in a time where you can get alternative alternative news, and I think maybe that's something. Um, when I asked you before, like what can what can Black people do to get more into technology, you get more into this? Start a news station. Yeah, start a that's news. True. Station. start covering things from a non-biased perspective, or you know what? Spin it to a biased perspective. Because it's being done less every day, you know. Start a news station. Start getting that, but no, I prefer you be non-biased. But like, start getting the facts out there. Let people know what's really going on. But at the same time, um, you have to consider as as well the racist agenda is can also be more inflated. Then again, we're getting everything from the news. So you got mm-hmm. people who are fueling the, the racism like, yeah, be mad and enraged. And and, and, and that's the objective. And uh, again, perhaps a, a non-biased news station could, could give people an idea of what's really going on. I got you. All right. So, talking about next. So, I mean, I'm real with you. We we just glossed over a, a little bit of of racism. Um, there's still much to talk about, but we we I refuse to dedicate an entire episode of just um, you know history's blunders. So, at the same time, I want to take a a little bit of a moment to honor some. Uh, Chris and I are military veterans, and we would very much like to honor. Uh, black military heroes at this time so Chris mm. uh, let me throw on the chip as fellow airmen do you know who the highest decorated african-american airman is
2: I might be right might be wrong but lieutenant colonel James B. Knighton from the Tuskegee Airmen
1: cool I like the Tuskegee Airmen what did he what medal did he get or awards rather. Uh...
2: Let me see. He. I don't know what a war. I know he was the first one to do um, combat flights.
1: Okay. Um, I know they did a lot of combat sorties. And yeah. Standing, They were like, they hadn't lost a plane or something like that. Something outrageous. Something like wild. Like These are really top-notch, top-of-the-line uh, pilots. But my understanding, and I could be wrong, that yeah, no African-American airmen have received the Medal of Honor.
2: Mmm. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I was doing my, my digging, and I, I didn't see that. So that's why I'm curious what awards this guy received.
2: I'm trying to see. Uh, let me see. Um... Let me see. Let me see. I'm looking real quick. Okay. <laughs> He's a funny guy, too. They say he had jokes for everything. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> yeah, you need that in those times, man. Absolutely.
2: that Let me see. Jokester. I'm trying to see if he won any.
1: Did you check Wikipedia? Because you yeah, said list cool. their awards at the top. Like Navy Cross. It doesn't. Charles, really blah, blah,
2: blah. It's weird. It doesn't really say.
1: Interesting. But um, uh, we still take a moment to honor him.
2: Absolutely.
1: Excellent in know you do. Air power. Who? up?
2: Um. Okay. Go ahead. What else you got?
1: Um. So go ahead. Uh, thrown at mid.
2: Alright, uh, what does it mean to be a black military hero for yourself as a combat veteran?
1: Uh, I don't know. It's like a really big badge of honor to me. One, the, the privilege to, to serve my country and also, you know, for my country to serve me back because uh, the benefits really help give me a, uh, a one-up over my peers. And um, me being a black military combat veteran um, to some degree it feels like yo i, I survived this I, i'm i'm fit i'm, I'm, I'm tough but mm-hmm. you mentioned like yo we can come back we do all that risk our life limb insanity and then we can come back here and then you know get caught up in some bs and there's that another thing about it is just like I feel like I want to be a positive role model for other young black men, just to be like, listen, as I said before, like, the military career will give you a leg up over your peers. Like, they pay for your education while you're in, then you get additional education while you're out. It's like, (laughs) <laughs> you get a guaranteed home loan and mm-hmm. i managed to infiltrate a fortune 200 company just off the strength of my my military background and mm-hmm. like being black is is hard anyone who wants to prove me wrong by all means come on the show but it's hard being black but it's like getting those perks you know, from a military career, it's like, um, it really helped me. And it's like, I want to show other young men, like, listen, like, you don't have to inspire to be a thug or a gangster. Like, mm-hmm. you, you you, can take another route and you don't have to have a military career, but four years, six years of service and substanti- substantially the way for whatever you want to do when you get out. And I feel again, going with the whole ambassador of, of my race as an ambassador also to, you know, for the military. It's like, I, I feel like I want to uh, show that to, to young black men and women. Like, you know, equal opportunities. Sure. But what about you? Um,
2: I probably, I guess maybe my, I don't know, I guess I get reminded sometimes because we kind of it's our kind of like our credo, like we volunteered, you know. Mm-hmm. But every now and then I get a reminder of like what we've done. Yeah, like, I
3: know.
2: Ah, like oh, okay, yeah, that's true. And my friends, my very close friends, remind me here and there, and it's really cool to hear. Like, man, yo, you you realize what you did? Like, you survived combat. You had an honorable career. Yes,
1: indeed. <laughs> Easier said than done. Huh? believe yeah. That. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's hard. So but um as you know, I feel definitely different about the military compared to before I went in, compared to after I got out, and then years being removed from being in the military. So my advice
1: the process like yeah. internally, mentally.
2: Um, my advice to young black men and women is use it. As a vehicle, yes, um, for advancing your life. But do more than you can before you even go in, if possible. And I tell them also pick the right career field when you yes. go in. That makes a difference
1: because you'll get that that experience um, that you can use outside. Like for me, I did not want to do a infantry security law enforcement job when I got out. You carry a gun every day for eight years, like sure you keep some hammers around the crib but you don't want to carry one on duty, like Yeah. So it's it's, kind of like I lost that experience you know, like it's um, I had to start from scratch coming out, so I I agree with you. If you get a great career in the the Air Force and if it's something you consider you want to do on the outside, it's going to help you. But Again, I want to emphasize it. will. You have to embrace the suck. There's a lot of things that just suck about it. But it's going to give you a, a leg up. And, you know, I'm going to keep it straight up and down. If I didn't go to, uh, to the military, I probably would have been dead and in jail. Like, I was in jail before the military. So, like, just, uh, if I didn't go, like I was going to go back and, like, you know, do some gangster shit. But, like
2: you raise a good point i don't know what i have been i think i would have took run of a mill job and ended up somewhere maybe north carolina probably because i know i wasn't staying in south carolina whatever i would have done i was not staying there um i wouldn't have traveled the world probably um yeah i'm really
1: that's a very great point like your world perspective most people live and die within one square mile of where they live and and they where they yeah where they're born but like that global perspective that will broaden your you won't see so narrow you won't be so narrow-minded your perspective will be broad because you have seen the world and I think uh, that is something that a lot of African Americans don't get that opportunity in the military it, it provides that.
2: Even, even though I'm ambivalent about my feelings about have served, mm-hmm. the thing I am proud about is I serve for our country, even though we might not agree on what our country is on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say that we're part of a long legacy of African-Americans serving in every war in United States his- history consistently. Even though we got to come back home to discrimination and racism and domestic terrorism, Uh we serve served in every war.
1: That is a a, a very great segue to my other question. So how do you think former black war fighters felt about the notion of fighting for freedom when so many blatant violations of civil rights were being inflicted on their people? (laughs) Yeah, we're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for freedom. I'm still slaves. We're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for freedom. Jim Crow. We're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for freedom. Like, civil rights. Like, you know, it's it's, it's a bit hypocritical. It's like, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, Muhammad
2: Ali said it best why he was a conscientious objector. Yeah. Said the Vietnamese never did anything to me. Why would I go over there and bother them? I don't hate them.
1: He's a very valid point.
2: He was like, America wants to fight you guys. Black folks do not want to fight you guys. We have no beef with you.
1: And there was a lot of propaganda that was been thrown um, by the Vietnamese, the Viet Cong, towards uh, black soldiers saying like, pretty much saying just that, you know? But I noticed there was a large... Perhaps the biggest recipients of the Medal of Honor were in Vietnam. There's over 20 recipients that received the, the Medal of Honor.
3: Wow. Okay.
1: It's like you can only imagine, and, and you know, more often than not, this this medal was received post posthumously. It's like yeah. countless uh, American black lives were were lost in this conflict. But yeah, like so, you think. You, i can only uh, well i guess like vietnam there's the draft mhm but like other conflicts i don't know that's
2: very bad yeah like Process. like you broke down the eras like think about world war 1 world war 2 that's the height of racism around those two wars right hungry. there like You, we weren't even really integrated into the military until I think the Navy was the first to do it, if Mm -hmm. I remember correctly. Um, and then you got to think of the American Revolution and Civil War like (laughs) you're serving around the time of slavery just so you can get an ounce of dignity and try to improve your life situation. Like, and then you go to you know, Desert Storm, September 11th to today. Mm-hmm. And now you really look, this is me personally, now you really look at like, really, what the hell are we doing over there now? Like, yeah. kind of those wars, you kind of had a reason, you know what I'm saying? But the current conflict after 9-11, I mean, after Bin Laden got assassinated or taken out or whatever, I mean, what are we, what are we doing now? Conflict wise.
1: A what's the war machine?
2: Yeah, what's the mission? What's the objective? Like everything else can be explained, but this can't be explained now, this error. <laughs> so
1: Yeah, you're right. It's um protecting freedom has gotten a bit obscure. Yeah. And um I don't know. you Think it's a bubble? I, think I don't so. know. What- There's only so much you can, uh, I mean, we'll talk the whole military withdrawal another time, but I I don't think this whole thing is going to last. Again, I, I foresee increase in special operations and intelligence, but like tanks and bombs and aircraft around the world, like not so much. But what do I know? I was a lowly staff sergeant.
2: Um, who is your favorite black military hero?
1: Um, okay, that's a great question. Um. took some screenshots. Okay. Because there's actually quite a bit. So, I just want to shout out some of uh, the guys that I thought were notable. Wonton Powhatan Beatty. He's an army first sergeant. 5th US Colored Infantry, I believe this was in the Indian War. He took mm-hmm. command of his company after the officers had been killed or wounded and he gall- gallantly led them. And he got the Medal of Honor for that. Nice. That was pretty cool. So, Freddie Stowers was the first of the only two African Americans to receive the Medal of Honor for actions in World War I. Stowers led an assault on German trenches, continuing to lead and encourage his men even after being wounded twice. Stowers died of his wounds and he was shortly recommended for the medal afterwards like that's uh, he was pretty tough Here's a fun fact
3: mm-hmm.
1: No, african-american was awarded a medal of honor either during world war one two or immediately afterwards Wow, yeah, I was, I was actually quite shocked as we mentioned the Tuskegee uh the Tuskegee Airmen and they were phenomenal Never lost, the, um, never lost the plane yet. Um, the, no, no, um, no medals for that. But let's see what else I got here. Okay, so Vietnam War, there were, as I mentioned, there are 20 African Americans were awarded the Medal of Honor. And again, uh, to our listeners, this is the highest military honor that can be bestowed onto a military member so um, James Anderson Jr. he was a Marine Corps private and this gives me chills every time I, I see this and there's a lot of guys who did this he sacrificed his life by smothering a grenade with his body
3: mm.
1: and I'm like yeah. wow so you see that in war movies you know mm-hmm. like the grenade comes it's by the team you can either run there's like a four second time delay. You can try to run, but a grenade has a five, uh, a five meter kill radius, meaning everything within five meters, let's call that five yards, is dead, splattered on the wall like paint. Mm-hmm. 15 meter wound radius, meaning everything in 15 meters is gonna be like, it's gonna be wounded pretty bad. So you can selfless, you can selflessly try to flee and get away, and most likely everyone's going to die. Or you can sacrifice yourself, you can jump onto the grenade. If you have your body armor and everything, and you have a, a, a decent seal, the body will absorb the majority of the fragmentation and the explosion, and everyone can live. Yes. And, wow. To, to to imagine, do that with instinct. Grenade falls. Fuck. Jump on it. And then... It's, uh, that is, that's heroic. Um, <laughs> And I couldn't imagine that I, I want to say I would have the courage to do such a thing but you only know in, in the heat of battle and um, sure. this, this man he, he was um, he was awarded the Medal of Honor for that. So I don't know I, I guess you asked me I, I admire that talent mm-hmm. of, uh, of James Anderson jr and others there's many others like him who, who did similar deeds. And that just goes to show the the bond that you have with your comrades. Like, yo, I'm, I know I gotta eat this, but they're gonna live. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I admire him. I got another question for you. All right. Uh 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 uh. uh. So, we're black and we're also a part of history. So,. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you, who's your real-life American military hero? Someone you know or who has inspired you, African-American-wise? Uh,
2: my my, uh, Uncle Busta. (laughs) Shout out. It's been a few years. He's Navy. He's the one that got me interested in the military. My cousin Darrell, shout out to him. Retired senior Master Sergeant of the Air Force. I think he was a crew chief, I think. I'm not okay. sure. But my Uncle Buster, he was the one for me. Um, yeah, he was a medic in the Navy. And, uh, yeah, I would say he inspired me. Um, wasn't perfect, but he was who he was. But he did instill um, adventure, um, being your authentic self. Um... Yeah, I would say him, and then yeah, yeah, that's it. It's that guy.
1: Um, my father uh, he died when I was nine, but nonetheless, he was uh he was in the army, he served in Vietnam, and he got a Purple Heart. Oh wow! At the okay. time, uh, he's buried with military honors, twenty-one gun salute, all of that. And I didn't really know about Purple Hearts. You know, I knew Vietnam was a war and I had an idea. It was a pretty tough war. But I didn't know he was injured in, in combat. And, uh, yeah, so he got a Purple Heart and he kind of, to some extent, it made me consider a military career. But my Uncle Wayne, shout out, Lieutenant Colonel, Signal Corps, Airborne, uh, I do believe he's Ranger as well. But <laughs> he was really a, a great military hero to me like just learning about his military career and seeing the, the type of life that he provided for his family he gave me a really good insight that military was something i would want to pursue but and he gave me a, a degree of guidance as, as well Like mm-hmm. he told me uh you know he said the air force is like they call them sometimes they call them uniformed civilians <laughs> it's like it's a, it's a better quality of life he mentioned and i was like okay cool cool but he didn't say anything about security forces <laughs> we're not exactly uh, we're part of the air force but we have many characteristics like the army we even say whoa. <laughs> but um yeah definitely so shout out to my uncle wayne shout out to uh, sergeant lampkin he was also on the show Really great military mentor. He he pushed me to get, it's like, yo, like, they're paying for your school. Like, of course, there's the GI Bill. But he really put in the importance of that tuition assistance. And because he's, you know, he's a 20-year veteran. He told me, like, that thing changes. It's not always 100% that the military pays 100% of tuition assistance when you're active duty. He said there are times where it was like 75%. And even I believe the Marines sometimes they don't get um they don't get hundred percent either. So he encouraged me to take advantage of that and to pursue that education. So yo, shout out to you, Lamp. You are one of my military heroes as well. You got another one for me? Um I
2: think let me see for you yeah that was all the questions i had well i'll, I'll throw this last. you had one more
1: um yeah do want to mention um the highest decorated african-american okay and <laughs> believe it or not this is uh this is this is very interesting uh, research I, I stumbled upon
0: so mm-hmm. like
1: i was curious like who is the highest decorated african-american in in war or in the military. And it's like, as we mentioned, the Medal of Honor is the highest decoration that can be given to to anyone in the military. So it's difficult to say. I thought it was going to be difficult to say who the highest decorated uh, warrior was. Mm -hmm. Well, I put that uh, dispute to an end. Augustus Sweeney received two peacetime Medals of Honor. Mm -hmm. And he's one of only 19 men to get the Medal of Honor twice. Wow. So do you know what he got it for? What? (laughs) So typically, um, Medal of Honor, they go to people who do, like, badass stuff. Like, I recall... Uh, there's one particular airman. There's like white phosphorus and everything. It was like smoking up the plane. So this guy grabbed it with his bare hands, melted all the melted all the freaking flesh off of his off of his hands to throw the, the grenade or, or the ordnance out, you know, to save the plane. He got the Medal of Honor for it. That's not the person I'm talking about. That's just someone else. And you have other Marines, Army guys. They doing like yo, they charged the hill. They did all this this hardcore stuff and Mm -hmm. they got the Medal of Honor. Robert Augustus Sweeney got the Medal of Honor twice Mm -hmm. for jumping off a boat, someone fell off a boat and he jumped off and he rescued him. And it happened twice. And he got two Medal of Honors for that. Yeah, I know. What brand? He was in the Navy. So, yeah. So to some extent, I would consider him the highest decorated African American, and it's cool because he wasn't like such a badass, but it's still a a a a, a win for the non uh, combat, I guess, uh, career fields you know. Yeah, I got what you're saying. I don't know. So I, I, I they even defined him. Hold on. <laughs> they even define his, uh, you know, like your uh, your military um, background. If you're an infantry man, if you're a signal corps, you're an artillery guy. His just says ordinary seaman, meaning like he wasn't he wasn't the Navy SEAL. I was really I'm like okay, it's most likely a Navy SEAL or something like that. Ordinary seaman. But um, you know, I, I still salute you, you know, for your service and um, sure. you saved life. At the end of the day, he saved lives and, and, sure. and that's, that's what it's about. So but I want to thank everybody for uh, joining us on this special edition, this special Black History Month edition. We're gonna keep it coming all the way to March. So again, appreciate y'all spending some time with us. Hope you learned a little of a thing or two. And if you have any disputes or you have something else to add, by all means, come on the show and we'll discuss it. You got any closing remarks, CJ?
2: Nah, we just got a lot more to cover. Um, yeah, that's it, man. We just scratched the surface, really.
1: Well, just getting warmed up. But oh, yeah. everyone, have a blessed day, blessed evening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Upgrade America. Cameron Roth, president. Peace. Peace.